Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 136 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you along with Brendan Escott. Reed Wilkins tonight on Inside Sports starting from uh, 6 to 8. Guests will include... Rob Brown, Kelly Rudy, Marco Sturm, and yours truly. Uh, so three guys that played the NHL and one guy that lacked the speed, talent, agility, coordination, toughness, character, and discipline to have done so. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or at the Royal Pizza App Store. Uh, with uh, Royal Pizza app on the App Store and the Stoffer Recommendations Mediterranean Chicken. As we head off to our Oilers Now headliner today, that's right, the headliner. For Wilhawk beef jerky, it just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. From the Athletic in Winnipeg, we hook up with Moret Atesh. Moret, how you doing? Hey, so far so good today. How you doing, Bob? Not bad, not bad. Uh, now, help me out here. We've we've we have we haven't had you on here since the season started. Uh, now, are you? I'm just j- just educate our listeners because it's a unique name, and I, I'm trying to. You're, are you Turkish? Is that correct? And did I butcher uh, the pronounce? Did I pr- butcher the pronunciation? Yes and yes. <laughs> um, my mom would say Marat. Marat. Uh, so okay. that would, yeah. That's exactly it, Murat Atesh, and yeah, it's Turkish, and it's kind of funny. I like I love coming on talking to you because my parents were immigrants from Turkey to Edmonton, Alberta, in the 1980s. So they discovered hockey watching Gretzky, Messi, everybody down the line, and that's how I discovered hockey as a baby kid. All right, now are you a soccer fan at all? Yes, I am. Do you have? Did, did your parents bring a love of uh, soccer in your life? And do, because I'm led to believe that one of the bitterest rivalries in uh, uh, Bob Black, who was heavily involved with the Cates Group, went and saw is is it Fenerbahce? Is that how it's pronounced? Uh, and they're they're Fenerbahce, the, yeah, yeah. The, the, so, are you a fan of one of the teams over there? So, <laughs> I spent my whole life trying not to choose. My my dad uh, supported Galatasaray, which is one of Istanbul's biggest teams. My mom supported Fenerbahce, one of Istanbul's biggest teams. That's that's probably the rivalry. There's a third Istanbul team called Besiktas. That's probably the one that uh, that your friend was telling you about. And my parents did not stay together. I think the rivalry became too much for them. So here oh, we are. Wow. wow. All right. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> All the personal details today. Imagine. Uh, well, and. and- <laughs> I want to talk a, a, a bit about what happened in Winnipeg down the stretch because, you know, in Edmonton, when the Oilers had some bumps, and they did, they started the year three and six. They also got swept three straight at home by the Leafs. Dave Tippett was even keeled and never called out the players. And I watched and observed from afar here in Edmonton and saw sort of almost in like back-to-back games, Paul Maurice kind of take uh, Mark Shifley to task and take Connor Hellebuck to task. And I will say this, and it might have been you, Marat, in terms of uh, 
where some of the venom was directed, but he seemed quite defensive of Blake Wheeler. But I was really intrigued watching it going, what is going on there? Like, he, he goes after Shifley, their best player, in my opinion, and then he goes after Hellebuck. Well, wait, he's their best player. So educate me. Am I wrong here or, or am I on to something? Well, I think the most intense reaction was the protective one uh, with Blake Wheeler involved. So I'll get to that one in a second because there's more fire there. Um, with Mark Shifley, they've been talking about it, I think, between the two of them ever since the beginning of the season or even before that, where Shifley is one of the best offensive players in the world. I mean, even this season, he's on a nine, he would have been on a 92-point pace if you prorate that over 82 games. I know that's not McDavid-esque, but it's one of the best offensive producers in the planet level. The thing that has been a question for Shifley is how well he plays the defensive game and how he sometimes cheats for offense. And maybe that means an extra long shift, which he's known for from time to time. Maybe that means playing high in the uh, in the uh, defensive zone, waiting for the puck to go the right way. And a lot of times this season, this is also something they've talked about, is shift length. Um, 90 seconds sometimes, more than a minute sometimes. He's among the NHL leaders. So on Hockey Night in Canada, one Saturday, Toronto was taking it to Edmonton. Shifley played a 90-second shift, and his last stride towards the Ed, uh, sorry, the Winnipeg Jets bench at the end of that shift was actually the stride he took to enter the offensive zone to try to create a scoring chance at the end of 90 seconds. He curled around the net, coasted to the bench, and then the guy that came on to replace him had no play uh, to stop the eventual goal on the rush the other way. And I think at that point, Paul Maurice thought, hey, you know, this is something we've been working on all year. Um, you know, we're actually going to put real live consequences in front of this player, which I have never seen. I have never seen Mark Shifley benched prior to this uh, for a period, for a game, for any stretch of time. And I think that sent a pretty intense message. Um, with Blake Wheeler, it was all protection. It was all um, at the beginning of the season. And believe me, if you watched Blake Wheeler play at the beginning of the season, he was not himself. I mean, uh, defensive plays, shoulder checks just missed, assignments missed. Uh, he's something like a minus 21 on the year at 5-on-5. Five five. Last I checked, that could be a couple degrees higher or lower. But one of the worst numbers that you'll find in the NHL for a star player like that. Well, it turns out he was playing through cracked ribs at the time. Um, and Paul Maurice was playing him like a first-line player anyway. So you've got your captain playing with cracked ribs, taking heat. Guys like me asking, hey, well, what was the deal with that defensive assignment that just didn't work out? Not so harshly, but that was the question, essentially. And then eventually, Paul Maurice was fed up, and he said, I don't know if I can swear on your show, but there were swears, Bob, and it was just you guys are taking runs at my captain. I don't like it. And he got his elbows out, and it was a really strong move from, from Paul Maurice to kind of shut the narrative right down and shut up us up so to speak i imagine all right uh what about hellebuck uh because he got a fairly quick pull did he not right around the time that shifley uh, got benched Oh, pardon me. Yeah, game before it. Uh, it was a it was a quick pull, three goals against. I wouldn't have blamed Hellebuck for any of them, if I recall correctly. It was one of those situations where it was more about you know momentum for the team, in my opinion. But Hellebuck didn't like it, and you know, in the next practice or media availability, he said as much that he didn't like it as well. And you know, Paul Maurice stood by his, his ground, and Connor Hellebuck stood by his ground. And then it became funny that, you know, the very next game Shifley's benched and the very next availability after that, he's talking about how he didn't like it either. I think that 
there is less conflict between the men involved than the I don't agree with my benching maybe implies. But at the same time, these are the two stars of the team or two of the stars of the team for sure. So, yeah, I can see why that drew a lot of eyes. I have a theory as to why Hellebuck's save percentage was lower against Edmonton uh, than other teams, and that's that the Oilers are not a volume-shooting team with McDavid and Drysaddle on the ice. They're that they're looking for higher-grade uh, scoring opportunities. They'll hold on to the puck more in the ozone, off of cycles, and that sort of thing. Why do you think Edmonton had a 7-2 record this year in the regular season, Marat, against, uh, against uh, Winnipeg? Well, I mean, that's part of it. I think every skilled player in the NHL would like to be able to wait and create that extremely dangerous chance. And you have to go to that top percent of the top percent to really find guys who consistently demonstrate it. And when you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, then yes, absolutely, those chances are more dangerous uh, than even some of the league's best scorers. So that's part of it for me. I also think that there the two aspects that Winnipeg had some control over that just didn't go well at all was some of the plays that they were making at, at Edmonton's blue line. There are a lot of what Winnipeg keeps calling hope plays. Um, you know, it's two on two at the line. It's not an odd man rush. You've got Jets players trying to make skilled plays. There's some giveaways at the line. And then with McDavid and Dreisaitl speed the other direction, you know, Winnipeg just doesn't stand a chance. So yeah, I think it was that 6-1 game. Five out of the six goals were in transition or within just a second or two of entering Winnipeg zone and I think that that's mistakes that Winnipeg made that created those opportunities before the stars got to work the other is the matchup game so up front you have McDavid outscored Shifley's line 10 to 2 when they were on the ice at five on five I think that's McDavid's best record against any other top center in Canada the other issue with that is that Winnipeg's top pairing of defense for so much of the season was Josh Morrissey and, and Tucker Pullman, who has a third-pairing track record, an AHL-dominant track record, but that's two steps too high for the player to be playing against McDavid and Dreisaitl on a regular basis. Now, the personnel isn't there, so you're going to see Josh Morrissey and Dylan DeMello, who had more success than the Tucker Pullman version of the pairing. Uh, they're going to be Morrissey and DeMello, the top pair that plays against Edmonton. Now, it's not a surefire stopgap let me tell you, but it's an improved version, and I think it'll be a slightly better look for Winnipeg trying to shut them down. Did you see uh, Dom Lucician's breakdown uh, of the Edmonton-Winnipeg series? He says it's the closest one, and, and for the record, I, I think it's close, too. I don't think the Oilers are going to walk it in four and five. I've got Edmonton winning in six, and a, and a six-game series can go either way. Jets, I, I, I'm the one that called Edmonton to beat Detroit back in 06, the only one I ever got right in my life. So, But the, the point in this is anything can happen come playoff time, uh, but uh, Dom did a, a real detailed piece, and he, he said that the analytics guys think that Josh Morrissey may be amongst or the most overrated defenseman in the NHL, which, to be frank with you, stuns me. Because I think Morrissey is a legit top four NHL defenseman and a pretty good one. You see him play all the time. What do you think? Well, I think it's been two years since he's been a surefire top-pairing defenseman. And the, it's the biggest mystery in Winnipeg defensively. It's why were Josh Morrissey and Jacob Truba such a stalwart top four pairing. They could play against anybody. Back in 2018, when Winnipeg was going deep, made it to the Western Conference Final, it was Morrissey and Truba who played against Nashville's top line of Johansson, Arvidsson, and Forsberg. And they could play it any way you want. Speed game, skill game, they could play it physically. And they were shutting those players down. It was a tough matchup, and they won it. Um, 
ever since Truba's trade to New York in, in 2019, Morrissey has, neither of those two players have been the same, but it's Morrissey who I watch all of the time. And to me, part of it is, well, hey, they may have had such perfect chemistry, it made Morrissey look better than, than we ever, you know, thought that he was. The other thing is that since then, it's just been a revolving door of partners. So if you're going to look, even at the process analytics, like shot metrics and stuff like that, or if you're going to look at the goals that go in against Josh Morrissey when he's on the ice, or if you're going to look at sometimes just how he looks out of position as he has done in the last little while, I think a lot of that comes from the fact that he spent his formative years with a tremendous amount of chemistry, great communication with a, you know, a top-level defenseman in Jacob Truba, and since then, it's been a revolving door. Tucker Pullman, like I say, third-pairing experience for sure. In a sheltered role, he was very good. He was very good in the AHL as well, but then he got thrown right into that top-pairing sort of matchup situation. When it hasn't been Pullman, it's been young players like Sami Niku, a little bit of Ville Hainala. Um, there was a stretch when it was Nathan Beaulieu playing through a torn labrum in his shoulder, and Beaulieu's also left handed like Morrissey is so Morrissey played on his offside on the right side like there are a lot of reasons aside from Josh Morrissey why he should in fact have bad numbers in my opinion at the same time they're paying him an awful lot of money he was projected to be a top pairing defenseman and when in Winnipeg we're used to guys like Dustin Bufflin where whoever you put with him he's able to make that work Morrissey's not at that level yet and I think that he needs a really solid, communicative, dependable veteran partner. And that's why he's had success with Dylan Danello. Yeah, one of the things for me, Murad, is that the Oilers have got to pound both Morrissey and Neil Pionk. And Pionk can hit, too, for a little guy. He's a lot more aggressive player than Morrissey. I know he got a huge piece of Leon earlier in the year at the end of a game. Uh, give me a couple absolute must-haves for the Jets if they're to win the series. Connor Hellebuck has to be incredible. And, I mean, if you're picking the 2006 Edmonton Oilers, I think you're leaning on, well, shot metrics maybe, but Dwayne Rollison, right? I mean, it was just yeah. such a wonderful story that summer. Connor Hellebuck needs to be that guy, and he can be that guy, absolutely. If the Jets do give up a barrage of high-quality chances to McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, everybody, well, Connor Hellebuck is one of those few players who can turn a series on in, in Winnipeg's favor. I was going to tell you health, Bob, but it looks like that's a question mark. I don't think Nick Ehlers is going to play tomorrow night. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois hasn't skated since uh, injury on Friday. Stastny's in for sure. Andrew Kopp was in a non-contact jersey today, but I think he's going to play. Uh, You know, it's a team that struggled down the stretch, and now you're taking about two-thirds of its second line away from it. That's going to be a tough one. Um, So it's really goaltending. Massive performances from from the stars that are in the lineup, like Mark Shifley. I think he's going to have to go toe to toe with the best and come out close. And and then depth. That's the only thing left, I think, because Winnipeg's forwards, even without you know Ehlers and um, Ehlers and Pierre Luc Dubois, you know, are four lines deep. And I, and I think that they like to to you know put that as a feather in their cap. From the Athletic in Winnipeg, Marat Atash. Hey, thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, my great my work. Pleasure. Love reading your stuff. Thank you very thanks, much. Bob. You bet. All right. Uh, we got a ton of stuff to get to here on Oilers Now, and we will start with the Oilers Now injury report. You just saw or heard part of it with the Winnipeg Jets update with uh, Marat, and uh, the injury report is brought to you every day by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. For every goal that the Oilers score, James H. Brown will donate $100 to 630 Jets Santa's Anonymous. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. So, 
Cassian moved up in the lineup today. Shore came out. Clefbaum, of course, done for the year in LTIR. Chris Russell back skating. He is uh, skating with the main group, so he's available as well. So the owners, relatively speaking, are fairly healthy at this time, especially if Cassian ends up playing tomorrow. Just got the update in Winnipeg. Sounds like Nikolai Ehlers might not be able to go. Uh, thank you very much. Cactus Jack just texted us on the Ashley for, uh, Fine Floors text line and said, great guest uh, having Murat on the show. So there you go. Kudos to him. Uh, for the Jets, uh, we'll see on Dubois, who's not practiced the last couple days. Stashney apparently will play for Winnipeg. Nathan Boileau, uh, done for the year. Very quickly, elsewhere around the league, Brendan Escott. Just need to tell you, the Blues' leading scorer, David Perron, missed Game 1 last night against Colorado. Still unable to clear COVID protocol at this point. Let's go to the Oilers now. Prospect Report brought to you by Scott Arthur Millwork and Cabinetry, a legacy of excellence. Make your new dream home or custom renovation a reality. Visit scottarthurmillwork.com today. We're going to tell you about uh, Owen Power, a defenseman and likely number one overall pick for this year's draft. Played at University of Michigan, which was a loaded up team this year. Six foot five, two fourteen, out of Mississauga, Ontario. Not a big points producer this year, which was his freshman year in the NCAA. Three goals, thirteen assists for sixteen points across twenty six games. But he was nearly a point per game player last year with the USHL Chicago Steel, one of the premier programs in that league so uh, pretty much unanimous across the board some rankings don't have them number one bob but uh, in all likelihood the big hulking defenseman will go there all right there's an old saying in the car business cars cost less than what to ask when brent ridge for 10 time presence award winner for customer satisfaction uncle milt listens to oilers now every day and he told me that they're open six days a week to serve you they're following all their COVID protocols to protect both customers and staff and he says does uncle milt Hey, we're low on used vehicle inventory, so now is the perfect time for you to sell. Let the gang at Brent Ridge Ford lend a hand. 1-877-477-3673 or visit BrentRidge.com as we head off to this day in Oilers history for Dennis and Jason Laliberti and the team at New West Travel. What do you got, Brent? 1963, former Oilers enforcer Marty McSorley is born in Hamilton, Ontario. In four years here in Edmonton, racked up 748 penalty minutes, Across 206 games while keeping the great one safe. Won two cups, 87, 88, and then, of course, was traded alongside Gretzky at the great one's request. So the story goes to the LA Kings in August of 88. He played seven more NHL seasons before retiring in 2000. It's also Yari Curry's 61st birthday today. You know, I love Marty as an Oiler, and I had a love-hate relationship. Hated him as an LA King, but I will give him credit. His fight with Bob Probert, I think, is the best fight in NHL history. Marty could chuck him all day. Came back solid dude when he came back for his second stint with the Oilers. Again, Reed's got uh, Rob Brown and a cast of thousands, including Kelly Rudy and myself, on his show tonight. Uh, tomorrow, Brian Lott from the NHL Network for Mattress Superstore. David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. And NHL Insider, John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Up next, change the programming a little bit at 6.30, Chet. Global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3. And then the 6.30, Chet afternoons, Jalen and I drop the puck at 3 o'clock. I'll be on tonight with Reed. So long, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chet.